This morning we are launching into a new series called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Now it's a very long name for a sermon series, um, but over the coming six weeks as we delve into this series, July, August, in the life of this church, and we take an excursus or a um, a kind of detour from our Mark series, The Crown on the Cross, which we've been in for about nine months now. It's been a really rich series so far. You're going to see how this emotionally healthy spirituality is just so helpful to us as we think about the journey of faith. The big idea of this series is know yourself that you may know God. Know yourself that you may know God. This idea of knowing ourselves and knowing God goes back a very, very long way. Um, in the 5th century BC, before Christ, there, are, there was a philosopher called Socrates. Some of you may know the name. And he um, had a very famous phrase, and that was, know thyself, know yourself. In uh, the 4th century after Christ, there was a very, very famous um, Christian thinker called Augustine. And, um, and I'm going to chuck this quote up from him. Uh, the second, uh, sorry, the first quote. He said this, and I love this quote. I wonder if it resonates with you. Our hearts are restless until they can find rest in you. David, just leading us in communion, talked about the idea of rest. Our hearts are restless until they can find rest in you. I wonder if you think about the culture we're living in, the restlessness of perhaps friends or colleagues, perhaps ourselves, the idea there of finding rest, only true rest in Jesus. And that last quote there from a, a Christian, um, very big Christian theologian called Karl Barth. There is no knowledge of self or God and then less there is knowledge of Jesus Christ. What these quotes are getting at, these really incredible different thinkers are getting at, is this idea that knowing ourselves and knowing God are intrinsically connected. Knowing ourselves and knowing God are so much integrated and so it's important um, that we pursue both. And that's what this series is all about. Last week, Belinda Waterhouse was here preaching. It was an awesome morning, so check it out on the podcast if you've missed last Sunday for whatever reason. Belinda preached on Mark 9, the transfiguration, and that's a very, um, a very well-known passage. But what I loved about what Belinda shared was this idea that we meet God on the mountaintop, and we've all had mountaintop experiences where we, we feel we see the face of Christ. We're in his presence. Nothing else matters. We are completely caught up in the presence of God. And she shared as well how we come down from those mountaintop experiences into the everyday ordinariness of life. And she invited us to think through this idea that actually it's in those ordinary moments Jesus calls us to follow him. He calls us to the mountaintop to meet with him, and he calls us in the everyday ordinariness of life to live out our discipleship to Jesus. Um, and that might be that might feel kind of mundane sometimes, a bit like for us it's, or me, the task of parenting. Sometimes it's extraordinary. Sometimes you think, this is incredible, this is the best thing ever. And sometimes you think, 
I don't know how many more nappy changes I can do until my child learns toilet training. <laughs> and the mundaneness is there, isn't it, in the reality of life. But Jesus is walking beside us when we're in the ordinariness. And he says he's with us and reveals himself to us powerfully at times in the mountaintop moments. Um, and so that was a significant message. So I really encourage you, if you missed it, do, do download it. Do have a listen through our podcast. And as I listened to Belinda preach last Sunday, and I, as I got, set my eyes on this series that I want to lead us into as a church through the winter couple of months, I spent time praying this week about what God's doing in the life of our church and who we are in this season and the things that God seems to be up to in the life, um, lives of you, our community. I felt prompted to share a talk, and it's called Navigating um, the Stages of Faith. And this talk is actually based on a talk I heard at the Church of Christ Victoria Tasmania Annual Summit, it's called, or Get Together. And um, this was back in May, and this talk was given by Mark Connor. Some of you might know his name. He was a senior pastor of one of Melbourne's biggest churches, City Life, for, I think, 20 or something years. He is now um, doing other ministry, um, mainly coaching leaders and speaking to Christian leaders. And he was at this summit where myself and Tiffany was there. There were so many other leaders in our movement of Church of Christ, his family we're a part of. And this talk resonated with me. And as I heard this talk, I thought, this is a talk for our people. This is a talk for, to share with others. And so with his permission um, and with an acknowledgement that this is actually based on a talk Mark Connor gave and a blog post, actually, that I'll show you a link to in a minute if you want to check it out. But um, the big idea that this talk is really that personal and spiritual growth occurs over a period of time and always involves a process that is a lot like a journey. Can anyone give an amen to the fact that the spiritual life is a journey? It's not a, a one-off event. Yeah. And that it's a long, um, a long obedience in the same direction, as Eugene Peterson puts it. Um, most people find it helpful to have a roadmap when we're going on a journey. Google Maps, I just don't know how we survived without it before we had Google Maps. Um, I remember going to Korea last year with Charlie and Zoe and we got there and for some weird reason I still haven't worked out. Google Maps doesn't actually kind of dynamically work when you're out on the road in, in Seoul. Crazy because it's like one of the most technologically advanced places on the earth. But I think they have another like Korean map app that we just didn't discover. So basically what we needed to do was, you know, make sure we had the map that we needed where we are going and then head out um, with our device. But isn't it helpful to have a roadmap for a journey when you're going on a journey? Um, and knowing we, where we are in the journey of faith and that awareness, that knowing ourselves, knowing God is so helpful to unlock a sense of, okay, I know where I am. I feel like I know where God's got me. I feel like I know where he's calling me to go. And so as we launch this series today, we're, we're really launching with this beautiful roadmap, which I'm going to um, unpack for us in a moment. And as we unpack this roadmap, I'd love you to open up Psalm 42. So would you do that now? Grab a pew Bible, grab your device. Psalm 42 is our scripture for today. And I'm going um, to be unpacking some of this psalm. 
um, for us as we open up um, this idea today and hear from the Word of God. So Psalm 42, have it handy. And as we open up that psalm, have it in our hands. Let's pray together, church. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we hold it in our hands and that your scripture is more available to us now than ever in history. We pray you that here in our hands is the roadmap, is the guidebook, is the framework for life and life to the full. God, we thank you that you speak over our lives your truth through the Bible. Thank you that right now you are ready and wanting to speak to every single one of us today and everybody who hears this message. And God, I just pray right now that you'll use these words of mine to speak to every single person the truth, the download that you want to give today by your spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. So let's dive in and look together at um, this fantastic and super helpful way of looking at the stages of faith. Now, you speak about this this morning, starting with awareness and going clockwise. But what I want to say first up is this is not linear. Someone doesn't enter the stage of faith and necessarily move from one to the other neatly. As a lot of us have no doubt come to be aware, the spiritual life is, is often an, an ebb and a flow. It's mysterious, it's incredible, it's ordinary, it's different for each person. And, and God calls each of us to a different journey with him. But what this is, is a very helpful map guide around what the spiritual life can look like. And it can bring an awareness to us that can be so helpful as we seek to follow Jesus in our work, in the world, in our relationships. Um, and as I said, there's a blog entry. You can have a look at Mark Connor's blog there if you want to have a look more into his, um, his you know, writing on this excellent um, kind of paradigm. So let's dive in together. So um, the first stage of the Christian life, as I said, it's not linear, but it's very often awareness. Awareness. Can you say awareness? awareness. It's a cold morning. I think it's good that we're warming up. N.T. Wright, the uh, New Testament scholar, talks about conversion being like waking up. And I think about... Um, a biblical example of this, Acts 9, Saul's conversion, and when he becomes Paul, he comes to see Jesus in a dramatic way. There's an awareness that happens for him that changes the course of his life and that changes the person he is um, irreversibly. For some of us, the Christian um, journey or the start of our Christian journey is more like a gradual wake-up. Kind of like that kind of a morning when the alarm doesn't quite go or perhaps you wake up before the alarm, but you never really know when you were sleeping and when you were awake. It just happens gradually. Do you know what I mean? And so there's this sense of like, oh, I wonder when, how long ago it was. I'm not really sure. For some of us, the Christian um, journey can start with a, a gradual sense of coming to faith. And some of you have had that experience. Um, Charlie's one who's had that experience of a gradual faith journey rather than a one-moment transformation. 
often times of trial or pain or transition are times of new awareness. People who come to Alpha very often have gone through a life change, perhaps a change in career, perhaps a job loss, perhaps uh, a, a grief in their life. And something happens where they, they, they desire a new awareness. There's something going on with this openness. And so they come to Alpha. It kind of reminds me of Jacob, who in, in Genesis 28 we read, he says, Surely God was in this place, but I was not aware of it. I love how that gives us permission to be kind of slow on the uptake when it comes to discipleship. Anyone with me? It can be easy to be quite slow, isn't it? It's like, well, God was there, but I had no idea. Um, and that's Jacob, Genesis 28. It's like the psalmist in our scripture for today, Psalm 42, verse 1. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, God. There's an awareness there of a desire, a hunger, a thirst for something, an awareness. And so we move to growth. We start in our journey as we follow Jesus, as we come to an awareness of him and a relationship in him to grow. We belong. We join a Christian community most often. We start to realise, hey, I'm called to be like Jesus. I want to learn more. God's word becomes a shaping force. We get a study Bible. We start to do a read scripture app on our phone. Uh, we start listening to podcasts and, and looking for things that are going to help shape our Christian journey. Um, I thought about my own journey at the age of nine when I came to faith in a lunchtime Christian group led by my school teacher. And quickly afterwards, I found out that there were these things called devotionals, which are uh, a friend at school started kind of using one at their, their place and they had one and I thought, I want one. So I said to my parents, who were Christians, can you buy me a subscription to this, you know, magazine? It was a scripture union magazine called One Up. And so I started in my morning before school opening up my One Up and reading the page which had scripture and questions and sometimes it had an activity or something you could fill in. There was a sense of growth of I want to learn more. I want to find out more and I want to read the Bible. So I'm thankful for that, that resource over those years and it shows that how good is that church to be investing in every generation's um, journey of faith um, in the way that we do as church. And we get to come to contribution. It's so true, isn't it, that none of us want to be useless. We all want to be useful. And so many of us realise um, in early in the journey of faith, we have gifts to share. God's given each of us things to share with others, capacities, skills, talents. And, and every single one of us has those. No, no one is excluded from that. <coughs> And we're on the planet for a reason. We want to share who Jesus is with others. We want to use our gifts of, you know, making things beautiful or making things orderly or, or making things um, run well. Whatever your gift to the glory of God and for a bigger purpose than ourselves. Perhaps today you might reflect on, well, what are the gifts I've been using? And how has that, you know, awakened for me the journey of faith? We come to a place in the middle there, that skinny red piece of the pie called the wall. And this is something we're going to be unpacking today, but also later in our series. And it's a really significant and often poignant or transformative moment in our 
journey where suddenly our faith is challenged, where suddenly there's doubt where there wasn't doubt before, where suddenly there's a life challenge, there's a test, um, there is a crisis. This is Abraham who, when God tells him he's going to have a son, um, then has decades of barrenness with his wife, Sarah. This is Moses trying to rescue one of his fellow Israelites and suddenly he's in the desert for 40 years. It's David being confronted by Nathan for his affair that he's just had with Bathsheba. And those famous words, Nathan saying, looking David squarely in the eye and saying, you are the man, you are the one who has done this. It's Job, a really good man, hit with tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. It's Jeremiah looking out at Jerusalem, which has now been destroyed by the Babylonians. It's Peter saying to Jesus, I will never deny you. Then denying Jesus and going out and weeping bitterly because he's done the thing that he said he wouldn't do. It's the disciples on the Emmaus Road before they realised that Jesus had been risen from the dead. We read about this in Luke 24. And they're saying to each other, we had hoped he was the one. We had hoped he was the one. And yet here we are, you know, we've been let down um, by this man we followed and gave everything for. It's Paul in prison you know, after his life was turned around and he followed Jesus and did radical things for Christ, ending up in prison. And it's the psalmist in Psalm 42.3 who says, My tears have been my food day and night. That's a profound metaphor, isn't it, for what life was like from this psalmist's point of view. While men say to me all day long, where is your God? Anyone been there going through trial? Someone at work or a friend or someone at soccer or hockey says, well, don't you have a faith? What's God doing? I've been there before. I'm not sure if you have. Where is your God? What What is your God doing in this time for you? When you hit the wall, you need to know it's normal. But when you hit the wall, we need courage. We need courage. The wall, um, in the wall, or the moments of the wall, um, can be moments or whole seasons sometimes that can go on for a long time where perhaps people around us are saying, where is your God? And perhaps we ourselves, if we're really honest, say, where is God? Where is God? Now, there's three options for what to do at the wall or how we can respond to the wall. We can bounce back in kind of a superficial way and say, well, God is good all the time, you know, um, we, you know just kind of, we, we don't necessarily immerse ourselves in the reality of the wall. We kind of just maybe go back to growth, okay, well, you know, I'll just carry on. We can bail. We can bail at the wall. We can say, you know, this is too hard. I, this can't be the God that I follow because this thing, this shouldn't have happened. Or, you know, we can run. And that is actually a pretty human reaction at the wall. But with God's help, there's another way at the wall. 
we can navigate faith at a much deeper level if we stay with the journey. If we stay with the journey. These wall moments can transform us and take our faith to a really new depth and level and closeness in God. This is like Job saying, though he slay me, I am still going to trust him. There's a level of surrender on the other side of the wall that is so much deeper. That is so much deeper. And there's a, there's a joy, there's a depth of faith that comes and there's so much more to discover if we but push through and stay with the journey through the wall. I love in Isaiah 43, verse 2, these are the words of God as recorded by the prophet Isaiah. And he says this, when you pass through the waters, the wall, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, the wall, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, the wall, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. And, um, and that reality and that incredible promise that through hardship, trial, suffering, doubt, questioning, we can enter into a new level of faith that is profound and that there's so much more to follow if we but follow Jesus in that time and through that time. And we start to accept an uncertainty that, you know, God is in control and, and yet, you know, there's this sense that this thing has still happened. It's not denying the hard thing that has happened, the job we've lost, the, you know, inc- you know, incredibly hard health journey we're on or someone that we know is on, the bipolar, the anxiety, the loss of a loved one, um, you know, the unemployment that goes on and on. Um, and you can insert, insert your own experience there. But this wall moment is like Joseph after 13 years in prison who sees his brothers. I love this verse in scripture. In Genesis 50, 20, we read this. He says to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Talk about a wall experience. His brothers, um, what they've done, put him in prison. He's ended up in prison. And after 13 years, a man like Joseph is able to say, God intended it for good. God is able to bring good out of the wall, out of brokenness. Reminds me of Romans 8.28. God is able to work all things together for good. Not that all things are good. Because we know that in life there is brokenness, there is hardship, there is trial. Our world, it, it, it has evil in it, and that is so real to us. But that all things will be worked together for good. So if we can get past the wall, and if we can have that courage in the wall, and if we're part of a Christian community like this, where, where we are encouraged, we are championed, we are prayed for, we are come alongside, and we're able to push through that and follow Jesus through the wall, We come to a place of surrender. 
we are surrendered to God, where, where we know God is God and I am not. I am not in charge. It's like the psalmist, Psalm 42, 5. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? There's a reality of the wall we're reading here. And yet this psalmist is saying to himself, speaking a word of God to himself, put your hope in God, for I will yet, and yet is such a powerful word, I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. I will yet praise him. And so surrender is this yet. I will yet do this. I'm going to yet see God, you are good, even in the wall, the moments, the, the years sometimes of hardship that come into our life experience. And then there's paradox. The now and the not yet. The, the kingdom has come and yet it's fully to come. It's like when you've let go of one trapeze and you haven't quite made the other. And it's this in-between liminal space. Life is not fair, but God is good. There is brokenness in the world, yet we know God is always good. He's always love. Amen? It's like Paul in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, who says, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. We shall know all. But for now, we only know in part. We don't know the whole story, do we? We don't know why tragedy happens. You know, this week in the life of the church, there's been an incredible ministry out of this church to the family of Mark Dutton, who was a, a kind of a, a, a member in, in a kind of a wider sense of this church over the past nine months. Mark was tragically killed two Saturdays ago in a car accident at the age of 46 and leaves behind um, a little girl who's age seven and a little boy age four. You know, it's so easy in times like this and as someone who led the funeral and worked with the family and a lead up and cared for that family and as with others in our community to say, well, you know, God, he followed you. He was baptised. He, he loved you. You can't be good because you took a life away. But, you know, the wide breadth of God's story and his love and his narrative as we read in scripture is so much bigger. We don't know all the answers. We don't know why. But yet we know God is a God of love and God is redeeming this um, terrible, tragic situation for this family. He's speaking his goodness and his love into that family. Um, you know, Mark's daughter is aware, I know, because I talked with her at the funeral, aware that daddy is with Jesus. And there's a hope for her around where her daddy is. And she knew her daddy's faith. We, we see only in part, says the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, one day we shall know fully. But we live in a paradox where we don't, we are not God. We don't see all and know all and we, we, we don't have the mind of Christ. And so this journey of faith, church, is about trusting, seeing who God is, trusting in the incredible love and, and incredible strength of God to hold all things together even when we see brokenness around us. And it's okay to live in a paradox 
Um, it's okay to, to have a sense of we know some things, but we don't know all things. Um, Psalm 42.6, have a look with me. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. There's this paradox around seeing the power of God and yet knowing that sometimes we're in a wall, we've hit a wall, we are downcast, our soul is downcast. And then there's love. Now love is woven all the way through the stages and journey of faith, isn't it? And love is the key theme of scripture, you know, of the Bible, the key theme of who God is and, and who he is as his character. But sometimes there's these really poignant special times in our lives where we come to a new awareness of the love of God for us, for his world, for us personally. Knowing you are loved by the Father simply because you are his child. These times are, are just incredible and so important to, to enter into, you know, because one of the most important things for us to know in our identity is that we are loved, that you are a daughter, you are a son of the king, of your creator. Um, and so when we realise we are loved, when we realise that's enough, we don't have to strive. There's been times in my life where God has said, you know, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to strive and strain and make effort and be tick all of the things off your list, which is one of the things I love to do, because you're loved. You're loved first and foremost. You don't have to be popular. You don't have to, th you know, have everyone think that you're doing a good job. You're loved. That's who you are. I'm sure your experience has been that there's been times that you've been particularly made aware, awareness around the love of God for you. And there's times yet to come in, for you too in that. So this, the stages of faith and navigating the stages of faith, some stages are fuzzy. Some stages we might, you know, be in growth and then we flip to paradox and then we flip to the wall and then we might flip to love. But I hope this is helpful to you as it's been helpful to me. I wonder where you are at in the journey of faith. I wonder where you are today. One thing is for sure, that whatever place we are in our journey with Jesus, no matter where we are, Jesus calls us on and says, follow me. Follow me into my love. Follow me into a place of, of paradox, of not knowing all things and yet trusting the yet moment. Wherever we are in the journey of faith, Jesus calls us um, into a greater awareness of who he is, um, into reading scripture and into growth, into knowing more of who he is and more of who he's called us to be. You know, one of the things I want to be pretty open about is the fact that I think often as a church, myself and, and lots of churches, we focus on awareness, growth and contribution. I don't know if you agree, but I think the church is so often quite good at this thing of like, right, let's bring people to faith, let's do Alpha. Let's um, make sure we invite everyone to Christmas services and help them to come to know who Jesus is or Easter or um, school holiday activity, what is. 
And we're good at growth. We're good at saying, okay, let's get you into a discipleship group. Let's get you um, using a Bible app. Let's get you... Do you know what I mean? And we're good at contribution because sometimes churches love to focus on contribution because we, we are self-resourced. We need one another to, to make the church what it is. We need people's money to fund salaries of pastors and, and keeping the lights on and the three meters on that we have on this morning. But I wonder whether the church, our church, other churches, needs to do better at being a place, a community, where people are discipled through, cared through a wall, surrender, invited into paradox, invited into a deeper understanding of who Jesus is. And what excites me so much about the journey that God has this church on is that this is happening. I have had conversations in the past three months with quite a lot of people, some here today, where they have been in the wall. They are coming into the wall. They have moved from the wall to surrender, or they're perhaps in now a place of paradox of that has happened, yet I will trust him. You know, this happened in my housing situation, yet I know God has something new for me. You know, this job didn't work out, yet I know God is for me and loves me. Um, you know, we planned this in our marriage and this hasn't come. Financially, this was our hope. This is the situation. And yet... Yet, there's one word for this morning. Yet, God is good. God loves me. He's for me. He calls me to follow him, even in the hard stuff of life that doesn't make sense. Amen? And we say yes to that. We say, yes, Jesus, we will follow you, even when there's suffering, like your you know, final week of your life and the narrative that we know is so central to our faith. A God who enters into suffering willingly for us and so we know identifies with us when we are in the place of grieving like the 75 people in the funeral this month this wednesday were deeply grieving and yet we could proclaim that we have a god who has entered into our story to show us that he loves us that he's with us he's for us and to give us new life that will never end in Lamentations 3, and I'm closing with this, um, Jerusalem's been totally demolished by the enemy, by Babylon. And uh, most people think it's Jeremiah who's writing these words. These are some of the most positive words in the whole Bible, but were penned in a time of complete desolation. Perhaps you've been in a time of desolation, perhaps in the past, perhaps that time is to come. But I love these words. I'm going to read them to us from Lamentations 3. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. The same words as in Psalm 42 today. Verse 21. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him.